I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive for season five of the, the Connor and Smith Show. Alrighty, well, we'll be going back to the hive for tonight. Well, I just wanted to make note of the fact that there are vessels full of water on the table that we are podcasting from. Why is that? I guess someone needs water. We have like a water shut off tomorrow from 9 to 2. So like some kind of crazy preppers, we have filled spaghetti bowls and things with water. And so there's water everywhere. It looks like we are preparing for some kind of thing. We're preparing soup. And before we get into our guests, I just want to ask you, because this has been talked about, uh, Into the Woods, you are directing, and you are about to go into tech? Yep, we start tech this weekend. It's been very exciting. Tonight, we finished sort of working on the rest of the show. We finished Act 2. Tomorrow, we'll do another run-through. And it's going to be very exciting. Lots and lots of interesting choices. Oh, okay. And this is Into the Woods in a very small space with 12 cast members. Um, so it is at Creative Cauldron. It opens, uh, uh, first previews, uh, May 5th. May and then... 5th, and it runs the entire month of May. I don't know exactly when it closes, because I'm only in charge of getting it open. Right. It's the, it's the rest the, is it's, up to them. It's the four weekends of May. So www.creativecauldron.org if you're interested in the show and live nearby. At any rate, all that aside, I, I want to get into our guest for today. Our guest is the talented voiceover book author, professor, actor, and just great person, Talon Beeson. Yay, Talon! Um, we'll get into our talk with Talon after this break. We will be right back. Talon Beeson. Hey there. How you doing, Steve? How are you, my friend? I am fantastic. I am joined here with a few people you may know, my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. Hey there, Matt. How are you doing tonight? What's going on? You sound like you are in another country. Are, are you speaking close to your microphone? I can be closer. There, and I can... there we go. Now you just got a zip, close, a zip code closer. Yes. Well, that's what we like to hear uh, instead of talking from Ireland. No, no, appreciate it. And also joining us is our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. What's up, Talon? Hey, Ryan. Good to hear from you. You too, man. Long time. Yeah. Talon, where are you um, phoning in from tonight? Uh, I am talking to you from Clarksville, Tennessee, which is about 45 minutes outside of Nashville. It's the last train to Clarksville. Actually, that's, uh, that is here. The uh, train station here is where they based that song on. I know. I'm a Monkees fan. Yeah, Should you I meet are. you at the station? You sure can. Okay, okay. <laughs> How Actually, long have I mean, you been there? I'm sorry? How long have you been there? Oh, uh, this is my sixth year. Uh, I started at Austin Peay State University six years ago, so I'm just about to get tenure. All right. So that's what brought you there was the university? Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I, what is the university's name again? Uh, Austin P. State University. Austin P. State. So that stands for Austin Powers, correct? Yes, uh, totally. It's super groovy, <laughs> baby. Yeah. Yeah, it's we we have to fit in all the '90s jokes we can in this '90s podcast. So of course, we. I mean, that was out when we were in uh, undergrad. I saw that in the theater there in good old Funchester. Absolutely, me too. What 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 do your classes look like at this university? What are you teaching? Uh, I'm teaching acting and directing. So this semester I'm teaching uh, movement, voice for the actor, improv, and the capstone class. And are you teaching, Talon, uh, just to get on the record, um, that if, uh, if, a, if a student is not maybe completing their scene correctly, have you instructed them on the ah, fuck it dance? Oh, hell yeah. 
<laughs> I was about to say, can I curse? And then I realized you said, oh, fuck it. So what's the off fuck it clues. dance? What is the off oh, fuck it dance? Now, that's Alan. a city. <laughs> what, <laughs> fuck it? Fuck it. Yeah. In Thailand. Yeah. 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 Are you talking about Thailand dancing? Uh, yeah. Not in America. If I remember correctly, the all fuck it dance is the dance you do when everything goes to hell in a handbasket and you just got to do a little shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it became quite popular in our class. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's really, I don't think that only solely applies to dancing or acting. What else? Just in life? I think in life you could just do that. I wish more people would. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've certainly, whenever I uh, lose some money in the stock market, the first thing I do is bust out an all fuck it dance. <laughs> Where did that originate from? Was that you? I It may have been Fitz. Uh, I, I don't know. I remember doing it after a Shakespeare scene that Fitz and I did. I also <laughs> remember doing it after a uh, Strindberg piece that you and I did. <laughs> I don't I don't even know who that is, so I can't remember. <laughs> I remember we were playing chess and our characters' names were A and B. Oh, my God. I don't remember that at all. Okay, so I've got to throw this in here. Funny story is I didn't get my diploma from Shenandoah because they said I stole that book that that play was in and it was out of print. (laughs) What? I didn't steal the book. I, I, I went in and complained and they just gave me my diploma. But still, they tried to hold it because they couldn't find that book. You're kidding. I'm, I'm not. It was actually my mom went in and complained. She was very upset. What was the book? Uh, it was a book of Strindberg plays. There was there were like 10 short plays in there, I think. Oh, yeah. Steve, you had that one downstairs, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. That's where that was. Oh, yeah. That's where it went. <laughs> but, but you were the person who supposedly checked it out and you couldn't graduate without checking it back in? Yeah. That's what they were saying. And wow. uh, I will they, see that film. Yeah, I mean, well, since it was discontinued, they made a huge deal of it. And I remember really liking that play. And I've looked for that book since and have not been able to find it. Come on, Amazon. They're letting me down. Oh, my God. No, if there was a Strindberg book in this house, I I think I would probably burn on the site. I, I don't know. <laughs> I would catch spontaneously combust. I don't even know what that is. Who's Strindberg? August Strindberg, the playwright. One of the uh, fathers of realism-ish, yeah. Wow, I have no recollection of doing that scene, but that means nothing. That, I mean, I'll be honest. We walked in the first day, and I think we each knew two lines. Yeah. And we each said our two lines, and Hal went, ah, that's it? We're like, yeah, we just wanted to make sure we had a good start to the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, man, was that a load of bullshit. But, you know. <laughs> We made it through. We were laying a baseline. Exactly right. That chalk line was down, so we knew what to expect. You got to draw the outline around the bodies so you know where they died, right? <laughs> now, Talon, where are you originally from? Uh, originally, I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So what? So what? Uh, okay. So young Talon's in Dayton, Ohio. Um, what? What takes young Talon? Uh, what, what awakens him to, oh, my God, I want to be in the arts? What happened? So, uh, I, embarrassingly enough, in seventh grade choir, someone played the uh, the overture to Phantom of the Opera in choir class. And, and that was that was it. I was like, well, I wanna, oh, that's pretty cool. I want to do that. Now I can't stand that show. But at the time, it really had an effect on me. It made you just kind of slink around the room and feel sexy. I immediately went out and bought a cape and a mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you immediately thought, wow, this composer really did rip off Puccini. <laughs> that took five years. And then yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. I was like, he took Puccini and he said, what if I got rid of all that pesky underscoring? And also synth. Yeah. And <laughs> there we go. Perfect recipe for a musical. They'll never recognize it if I just bathe it in synth. So then what what were your steps leading up to after you put on the cape and the mask? What were the steps? Did you join a class? Did you get a scholarship? Did you kidnap the leading lady of the musical and drop a chandelier on the audience? Uh, six of one, half dozen of another. Okay, really? tell it. Uh, no, I started, I just uh, honestly just started auditioning for uh, plays and musicals at when I got to high school. And we didn't have a great theater program, so I got cast in everything. Um, and, and then we showed up to Shenandoah, and my mom loves to tell the story that she came and she played for me, and everyone showed up with professional accompanists and 
and they were really knew what they were doing. And we just kind of walked in there with my mom playing and had no clue what was going on and somehow ended up there. Mm. Well, and then that was what, 1996. Yeah. Then you met the, uh, the freshman uh, class of, Oh God, all of us, uh, we've been talking to so many and it's like little pieces of my memory coming back. Like Strindberg, I probably haven't heard that since uh, the 90s. Um, And probably best left there. I mean, (laughs) I'm going to find you that book, Talon. It's (laughs) not in this house, though. You would make Um, me a very happy college professor. um, And and (laughs) are what? Okay, so we are at Shenandoah. It is the 90s. What uh, I remember... You played uh, like your big deal, wasn't it? Uh, Sweet Charity. Yeah, I played Oscar and Sweet Charity. Opposite Maggie Portman, two redheads in the lead. Never happens. That's right. You rarely see that. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. That was after I left. Yeah. 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 Mainly because you know we're we're afraid to come out in the light most of the time. So absolutely, we just live in the night. Absolutely, no one wants to see that in day. Amen. I don't want to see that when I wake up in the morning. That's. <laughs> So, so what, what was it uh, that brought you to Shenandoah that felt like, oh, this is, a, did you find like a, a brochure in your like church, uh, uh, Narthex, or was it like uh, you were, I mean, we all looked at brochures. This is, you know, when we ask this of other people, the thing that I always am like, uh, right, I forgot, like the internet was a thing, but like not everybody had it and you had to get it certain places. Like, how did you find SU? I think it was the uh, the picture on the brochure with the weeping willow, which I'd never seen before on a college brochure. Mm. Two students studying under a willow. I mean, it was so unique. Right. It really. was tranquil. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I actually think I, uh, I went to a college, an arts college fair, and there was a rep from Shenandoah there. And they said, we have a great music theater program. And, well, that's what I'm looking to study. So I went for the audition and watched. Ryan, you were probably in this. Um, watched Good News, I believe. Oh, both Ryan and Matt were in yep, those. Yep, yep. Yep. I was yep. a part of Good and Ryan played News. Perfect. Excellent. It's such a such a fantastic story, the, the saga of Good and News. <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. I vaguely right. remember there was a show called Good News that I was probably on stage during, but that's probably all the memory I have. Matt played the coach, Pooch. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember The pivotal that. role of Pooch. Mm-hmm. So... Matt and Ryan, you are responsible for me going to Shenandoah because I yep. was not uh, after the audition and the rest of the day, I, I was it was bottom of my list. <laughs> and then I saw the show and I was so impressed. I'm like, well, I kind of want to well, go. You here. enjoyed the show, really? Yeah, it was it was really, really good. I was big. Button big, up big. your overcoat. Oh. Was it Life was Just a Bowl of Cherries? Yep. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that on saw final. that production, Talon. You, well, did you really? I did because I came to audition, much like so, you. Yeah, that's right. So we were there in this at the same time in the same room, which yeah. we were many times after that too. So, yeah, that really. show really, really showed me as an undergraduate what it would feel like to do shows I didn't want to be in. <laughs> and then we all got the, to know that feeling. Yeah, yeah gigs you exactly. take for money even when you're not getting paid. Right. Then we did shows like Playground. <laughs> And Bloomer Girl. Bloomer Girl, which I made a reference to this week, and everyone in the room looked at me like I was lying to their faces. Crickets. crickets. And then when I told them the composer, they were like, no, now you're really lying. What I, I want to know is, has Take It Easy been done anywhere else? Oh, I mean, other than its successful Broadway run. Oh, what? No. Broadway Thailand. Broadway Oh, Thailand. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they made a CD-ROM of it, so we're good. You know? Oh, thank goodness. Whew. There's nothing more than what uh, I would love to like see four shows, a summer stock where everybody just goes back and does these big hits. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Right. All the, all the ones. Uh, Good news. Good news. Take it easy. Take it easy. And, and playground. playground. Maybe film it. Yeah. Maybe as an extra show, they could do like a Mexican hayride. I don't know. Some other little known musical. Yeah, something racist. Of course. Uh, I mean, it's called the let's burn the theater to the ground season. <laughs> hey, uh, Talon, I would like to talk to you about something a little serious. Oh, sure, sure. I'm ready. I'm put my serious face on. So I am a student of yours in your class, and 
I realized that you have written a book called Starting Your Career in Voiceovers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I see it involves, you know, how to warm up the voice, uh, reading everything, cold reads. Um, how did you get to um, collect all this knowledge for voiceovers? Because clearly, I don't think that that was a Shenandoah. We didn't have a class in right. Yes, yeah, like, it, it seems like it's also a very like magicians like club to get into. Like it's very secret. Yeah, no one will let you know how to get a job. So yeah, you're gonna hate this answer because it's actually just going to uh, further enforce that. Um, I got into voiceover when I was working and living in Chicago. Uh, I was doing a show, and the stage manager worked at a voiceover demo production studio. And I, I walked in to pick her up to go see a different show. And the owner of the studio was like, hey, kid, you've got a great voice. You should do voiceovers. And because we went to Shenandoah, I said, what's that? I don't, I don't know what that is. Also, was um, this person a bootlegger from the 30s? Yes, yeah, surprisingly enough. Yeah, she, uh, she ran Shine out of her basement. Hey, kid, um, you got a great voice. <laughs> uh, she actually talked that way. It was... Um, <laughs> It was very bizarre. Um, but uh, yeah, so she said that and I was like, well, I don't know what this is. Explain it to me. And she did. And she said, I'll make your demo for you if you build me a website. And I said, I don't know how to build a website, but I can learn. And so I taught myself to write code over the weekend, built her website for her and got my first demo. And then she hooked me up with her agent. And within a month, I had my first national campaign. Wow. So, so it kind of is like a secret handshake, like random person off, pulls you off the street and says, you should do this thing. So I want you to talk about me first and then Steven and then Ryan. Okay. Uh, this is no, this is serious. I'm just talking about my vocal quality. I know I have a rasp. Mm -hmm. Would I, would I be able to take my voice into like an animated uh, place would I be right for commercials does that not even play into it is it really about how you train your voice to read the commercials or whatever what would you do with my voice if I was your student okay so the first thing I would tell you is not to change a thing oh that's beautiful because it we're we're done with the idea and the days of like oh we're gonna sit by the fire and have this warm beautiful voice like no one no one really does that anymore except Will Arnett but you well know. Yeah, but he also drinks a lot, so that yeah. that, that that's part of the Batman voice, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it's more about just being who you are and having a unique perspective to offer to the thing. Um, now, with that, you have to understand how commercials work and what they sound like, which is the commercial theory of the whole thing. But overall, it's just your unique sound and kind of figuring out where that fits in the uh, in the world of voiceover. So very similar to what we kind of do in the business of performing, just finding out kind of where you fit. Exactly. Yeah. I, I tell my students because we teach or I teach a voiceover class at Austin P. Um, and I tell my students all the time, it's not about your type. It's about knowing who you are and what you bring to the table. And that's how you book jobs. Now, I'm going to ask a silly question. When you do a voiceover class... Are you in class with a microphone in a studio to hear yourself or is the class live and then you go home and do other recordings? Is it a mixture of both? Uh, it's a mixture of both. I actually built at Austin P a brand new recording and on camera studio last year uh, that has a two person isolation booth in it. Motion capture technology, a green screen, um, all the things that we could need for animation, video game, commercial. Um, so we do it live in class and I record them and then I send them home with their recordings to study and work on and get better at the commercial theory of it. Okay. And I'm assuming if you book a gig, the way things work is either you could be paid a stipend or a fee and you're done, or you can be paid some sort of royalty thing where if the mm -hmm. thing goes national and is played over and over, they'll send you 25 more cents or whatever. Right. So uh, it depends on your union status. So I'm a union actor. So I get paid a uh, I get my paid my stipend just to walk in the door. Right. They have to pay me to be there. They can use the commercial once. But then after that, if it's on one of the big five networks, they have to pay me every time they use it. Uh, if it's on cable, it's done by like 
units and there's this complicated math equation that I don't really understand. So you're like, I don't even walk in the door unless I get my 10 bucks up front, right? You know? Yeah, basically. And then like, you know, is there a catering tray or something I can have and stick a roll in my pocket or whatever? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They actually, they always have a stocked fridge. I've never been to a studio that didn't have a stocked fridge <laughs> with food, drinks, you know. I'm totally and, joking, Talon. So I know, but, but it's real. <laughs> <laughs> are there, uh, are there enough voiceover jobs for people that are studying voice acting like is, is there room for more talent yeah yeah certainly so there are um uh, aside from union work which is obviously the the secret handshake club how to get in there uh there are websites out there voices.com and voice one two three that have a ridiculous amount of non-union work um, and all that stuff pays a stipend. It pays right up front. Like you do this commercial, I give you 500 bucks. We can use it forever. Say that again, voices.com. Yeah. Voices.com and voice123.com. I so, recommend voices.com. Okay. So Talon, if I am someone who wants to get into this, what kind of certificate or degree are, are people going to look at to take me seriously? Or can I just send people a demo that I made up? Uh, yeah, the degree doesn't matter. It, it's about the demo, but you should get someone to make it for you because um, de voiceover demos are very, very specific in their styling and what they're supposed to do. So just going into your basement uh, and, and recording one will affect you badly. In, in fact, one of my first agents, I was in her office when um, someone sent in just like a cassette tape of them doing what they called animation voices and she laughed and threw it in the trash. And then a couple years later, that person had a demo produced and she remembered that person and said, yeah, they didn't take, they don't take this industry seriously. I'm not going to take them seriously. Wow. Well, you know, one time I applied for a grant to get professional recordings done mm -hmm. for my music and I sent them an amateur recording uh, even though I was applying to get money to use it for professional recording, and um, they, I did not get the money, but they sent back a note saying, I'm sorry you didn't get the money for the professional recording. Your recording was too amateur. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Well, the reason I was applying <laughs> for this was so I could actually <laughs> figure it out. But anyways, take us on, take us on your biggest job. What was the biggest job you had? How long did it take? Was it frustrating? Like, does, do, do some of your audiobook projects take, you know, days, weeks? Do people s reply back and say, hey, you have to do chapter three over with that man's mm -hmm. voice. We need something a little lower. How does, how does that work? Yeah. So, so there's, there's a bunch of different areas of this, right? My biggest job and my, my best job was uh, I was the narrator of Divorce Court for two years. Um, and we got an Emmy nomination for that. And Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it was it was a lot. I mean there's I don't know, 200 episodes a season, something like that. So I was doing 15 to 20 episodes a week. There's that many God. divorces on divorce court. Oh man. People are just breaking up all over the place. Yeah. I or, thought breaking up was hard to do. Yeah, they, oh, that's what you'd think from the song, but Oh man, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Clearly it's not. No. Um, are, are you watching the episode while you're recording that? No, it's a, uh, with that show in particular, once I kind of had the patter of it down, I knew exactly how long I had to get out the prompt. And so I just kind of had a, a clock in my head running. Like, I've got 15 seconds to get through this explanation of these two people and why they're getting a divorce. Um, and I'd have a producer on the phone while I was in my booth in my house, and I would record the prompts for the episode, and we'd move on to the next one. Wow. Um so so like this is pre-pandemic yes this was let's see divorce court was 2012 to 2014 i think so so a lot of this you can just do remotely from wherever you are mm -hmm. yeah i'm actually sitting so i'm sitting in front of my editing computer right now and to my right of me is my isolation booth in my house uh that i use for jobs and then i also have the booth at school which i use for jobs as well Wow. That's kind of the cool thing about it is like when the pandemic hit, you were probably like, well, I'm covered. Yeah, I really it didn't affect me all that much. In fact, my agency in L.A. closed down at the beginning of the pandemic 
And within a year, I had a new agent in L.A. and was right back to it. So, Talon, um, you mentioned Chicago. So after Mm -hmm. uh, you left SU, you know, thank God for your mom and the uh, the Strindberg uh, (laughs) uh, reassessment. Um, Did you go to Chicago straight out? Was that your journey post uh, SU? Uh, I went on tour first. I, I spent a summer doing a uh, summer theater in Georgia at the uh, Georgia State Drama, which is now closed. Uh, and then I was on tour with Lexington Children's Theater for six months. Um, and then I actually went to visit uh, another fellow alum, Liz Albert, at uh, in Chicago and decided while I was there, I would audition for a show and got one of the lead roles and decided, well, I guess I live here now. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's that's how I ended up in Chicago. It was kind of a, a mistake but a good mistake. And how long were you there? Eight years, maybe wow. nine. I got my master's degree there. So that last three years uh, was right before I moved to LA. Uh, so it was eight or nine, something like that. And so then sent from Chicago to LA and what was LA like for you? Uh, LA was great. I, you know, I didn't want to move there at first. We went because my wife and I both got a representation um, out of our showcase from grad school. And so my agent in Chicago insisted I stay through the Christmas season and Sarah moved immediately. And then we went out there cause we both had representation. Uh, and that, that's just kind of what took us there. And then, then my career really kind of started to take off once we were there. So your wife is in the business as well. Yeah. She's a, she's an actress and uh, she also teaches at Austin P uh, right now, actually, she's playing Harper in Angels in America Part One. Oh, nice! Yeah. Well, so, where did you uh, live in LA? Uh, we started in on Sherman Way in Van Nuys. Okay. And then we moved to Redondo Beach, and then wow. ended up in San Pedro. Okay. How long were you out there? I think that one was seven years. Okay. Which then brought you to Tennessee. Yeah. So uh, that that happened because uh, the, the show I was working on at the time decided to replace everyone involved except for two people. Um, and I we suddenly found ourselves with a brand new baby and my main source of income, my main show that I was working on was gone. And so we decided it was time to make the move to academia. Um, and then I, I applied for some jobs and didn't get any full time jobs, but did get a couple job offers in Chicago to adjunct. So we had an apartment to live in in Cincinnati because that's where Sarah's family is from. And so I commuted from Cincinnati to Chicago to teach acting uh, for a year and a half before we ended up in Tennessee. How was that commute? It was long. (laughs) uh, I would drive up Sunday night and stay in a hotel until Thursday. And I, cause I would teach Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I would drive back to Cincinnati for the weekend where I was bartending and waiting tables and then do it all again the next week. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was something. Um, how did you how did you uh, make a short film? Like what brought thought, that about? Uh, so when I was in L.A., I, I worked with a lot of filmmakers. Uh, I mean, I was always just in their films. I really didn't do anything behind the scenes. And I, I kind of just got the idea for a short film. Uh, tell her no. Nope. That was one that I was in. I'm a terrible liar. Uh, it was good. Sorry. The short film was, it was good. And I just kind of got the idea for it. And, uh, it was the last week I was in LA. And so I called one of my director friends who had been in another film that I was in and asked him to be my cameraman. And he and I just went into the desert and shot it over a week. Um, and then I got accepted to several film festivals and just was super excited about it. I think, I think it honestly kind of helped me get the job here at Austin P. Is there anywhere to see that? Uh, yeah, I think it's on Vimeo. Um, it was called. Video. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Okay. It's a little short black and white film that involves me murdering people. And it has a built-in good review. Yeah. Right. I mean, all you have to do is put that in quotes, and everyone immediately thinks it was good. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a it's a foolproof title. <laughs> so, how do you record for a video game like GTA? Like. Like, do they, is there a director just there? You have the script and they're explaining the scene just like you would with anything. Yeah. uh, So with GTA specifically, that was a, it was a little unique because I walked in and they had hired me to play just random druggy skater around town. Uh, And I walked in and they, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they know me. And um, 
I walked in and they handed me a binder about three inches thick. And they said, here are your lines. I'd never seen them before. And exactly that. They just described the situation and I would react and go through it. And then we got done in about half the time that they had allotted. So the director said, we've got these two extra characters that no one else was cast as. You want to just play these two porn producers? I was like, of course I do. So, so yeah, again, so, again, all right, you, you say that, but two years ago, I played a porn producer four times in one year. Oh my, oh my God. God. Wow. I want to see that film. Yeah. I've got a type. Yeah. I mean, you and Kevin Quillinan. Oh, good old Q. I know. Yeah. He, he would always play stuff like that or like guidance counselors, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's my entire brand is the, uh, the goofy dad or the serial killer porn producer. Yeah. So you that, take your pick. That makes my sense. Goodness. Um, so well, it's nice to be in a box. Yeah. <laughs> it's a comfortable so, box. Yeah. You also, you also actually did the voice directing for a show, right? On HGTV. Uh, yeah. You live in what? Um, what is that? Uh, so it was a show. I think it's still on. I could be wrong. I don't direct it anymore, but I think I did it for three seasons. Um, and it's a show about people that buy things that you wouldn't expect to be houses and turn them into houses. Oh, give me an example. Uh, so there was one guy who bought a missile silo, a decommissioned <laughs> missile silo, and turned it into his house. What? Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. And they would show B-roll. And um, it was recorded in my studio in my, in my house or my apartment in L.A. And uh, they would show B-roll for the show. And the narrator would just talk over it and explain what was going on. And I was the guy behind the booth that was telling him what to do. So, wow. so this guy gets in his truck and goes to either Pargo's or Bellstar, gets out, <laughs> gets a beer. There's somebody that's sitting across the bar. They catch eyes. And she's like, hey. He's like, hey, you want to go back to my place? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, well, where, do you, where, where is that? Where do you live? He's like, you know. I bought the uh, the old missile silo, <laughs> and she said, like, "Groovy! I love missiles and silos." I mean, usually that's a red flag, right? And she's right. just into it, right? Yeah, <laughs> she wanted to blast off, you know. There you go, boom! Hey, yeah. <laughs> usually when someone says you want to see my missile, it's not the good thing. <laughs> I don't know what's into me tonight. It's it's just this. It's the uh, it's the nostalgia of it all. How do you right? like Tennessee? Uh, it's nice. I like where we are. I, um, uh, you know, coming from Chicago and LA, it was kind of a culture shock moving here. Um, but I like Nashville a lot. It, it's a really cool town. And here in Clarksville, um, because we're in a college town, it is, it is really nice. We have a is lot it, of good friends. Yes. It kind of also, I, I mean, I know at Shenandoah, we kind of lived in our own little bubble even though the town was very accepting of that bubble and whatnot but we always mm -hmm. had like our bubble of uh creatives but yeah. i would imagine nashville is clearly pretty creative yes it's actually very similar to winchester i mean not nashville but you know nashville is like the dc to winchester Clarksville. yeah yeah and it, it's i mean we have a uh a regional theater here in town that helps pad our creative uh our creative bubble so we do have we do have that bubble to live in, just like we did in Winchester. I'm thinking that maybe uh, maybe you create the first sort of um, show on television that is only for voiceover people. It's sort of like the voice, but it it takes everyone in the voiceover world. We you would talk about people's voices. People would get voted off until you would like announce a winner of like the the uh, the voiceover person of america i want to be the first contestant this is this is brilliant i love it i, and, I sold and they we would have one round one week would be called like cold reads the second week would be like animation third week would be whatever noir. yeah whatever right. and they'd be like oh my god i don't think that person is totally going to be able to do that and i don't know maybe it's like the also the that you don't don't see their face maybe we just hear their, their just hear the voice yeah yeah and maybe the people who are watching like up on the stage are all the contestants, but we don't know who matches what voice. I love that we could call it VO boot camp because we're yeah. putting through their paces. I, I'm on board. I'm on board with this totally. Yeah, feel feel free to steal it. 
Good. Oh, excellent. I was going to have to ask you. You can even you just afterwards. do it there at the university as as like a like a a workshop to see if it even lands. We could make the pilot. Yeah, yeah, and uh, use the students in it. Well, I mean, yeah. the three of you obviously are. You, you have to be on it. We'll be the judges. Perfect. I love. No, it. I'm going to be on it. I'm oh. going to be on it. Yeah, okay. totally. <laughs> so I'll have, be the judge. Have you had to do any accents? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, so so you asked about audiobooks earlier. I'm doing three, three or four uh, audiobook series right now. And that is like, speaking of boot camp, that's like accent boot camp because uh, my personal style is I cold read everything. I do not read the book before I start. So when I'm reading it on the screen and I get thrown, well, now you have to do an Irish accent. I'm like, oh, I did. Okay. What are we going to do with the Irish accent then and go from there? And it just kind of come as they uh, do them as they come to, on the page. Wow. And you can just immediately go into that musicality of an accent, because to me, an accent literally is like figuring out the musicality of that voice, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it totally does. I, it, um, You know, there are some accents that I can just pick up quick. Irish, certainly. Russian, I'm really good at. Let's English. hear some Russian. Duh, so there is thing where I go to store and they say, oh, no, they're out of milk, but of course it's Russia. <laughs> <laughs> well, it says here on your Google search... <laughs> <laughs> Talon was also the voice of the hit Swedish and French web show Extreme Road Trip. What did you do Swedish and French for that show? No, it was all English. Okay. I can do the French accent, but I do not do it uh, in the show because it is a little bit racist. <laughs> I, if I did Swedish, I would just sound like the, the Swedish, Swedish chef. chef. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really embarrassing, but that's how I get into Swedish accents. Of course, yeah. I have to take a step back and go, borski, borski, bork. Okay, now I got, I, then I've got it. So that's I that. just do southern for everything. If people try to clarify, I just say, oh, it's southern France or it's <laughs> it's southern Scotland. That's good because everywhere has a southern. There's, yeah, everyone has south, a everywhere. south, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, um, Talon, when you think back to the late '90s and all, all of our time together oh. at the SU Penitentiary, do you remember it? <laughs> Not much, but but go ahead. Um, I just want to say, like, it was interesting. We we uh, Ryan took a little trip, and like we were kind of disseminated the, his trip through different chapters, and kind of were talking about landmarks, different things. What are some like? just places that kind of stick out in your memory. It could be a bar, it could be a whatever. What are like the top, like if you were to drive back there today, what would be the like short list of things you'd want to see? Right, right. Okay, so uh, I mean, Melmac Tavern, I would certainly want to go to. Um, if it's was it, it was a tiny little bar that served beer in a uh, styrofoam cup. What? Yeah, it was. it was a red building. I remember that. It was just on the outskirts of downtown in the, the walking mall. I think I remember Mel that. Mac Tavern. I think it was Mel Mac. M E L M A C. Isn't that where? Uh, That's where Alf is from. Yeah, yes. Alf is from Mel Mac. Yeah. I never made that connection until right now. <laughs> where, where and they served it? beer in styrofoam cups. Yeah, they did. It was one night a week because it was like quarter beer or some ridiculously small amount of money for a beer. And it I, was like styrofoam cups. I think I remember being there with a bunch of us and everyone was singing Sweet Caroline, but that's everyone's college bar story ever. God, we really did not care about the environment back then. I love no. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, as soon as you said that, where would you want to go? The first like four places I thought of were bars. <laughs> well, I mean, there wasn't, to be fair, Ryan, there wasn't an environment back then. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. Um, all right, so Melmac Tavern. Uh, anything else? But okay, what are the other bars then? Give uh, us a so, bar tour. Uh, what was it? Pergos, Pregos, Pargos, Pargos. Yes, I remember Pargos was where I've had my first Sam Adams ever, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so I remember that. I remember the Chili's that opened up our junior year. There's a lot of drinking that happened there. And then Brewsters and or Brewbakers downtown. Brewbakers. Uh, that, that Chili's, that Chili's, do you remember this? Lenny Kravitz was coming through town and ate at that Chili's. I do remember hearing that. Because was, was it Randy that... McFadden or someone like that was working there? It was like, you have to get down here. Lenny Kravitz is here with his band. 
I, I love that it was Randy McFadden. How random is that? I think that? I'm making that up. But I want to say it was Randy McFadden. No, it was someone I remember. Okay, so here's what specifically what it I remember. some American about woman, I think. Just, <laughs> uh, uh, I remember someone calling. We were at the theater house. Yeah. And I remember someone calling and saying that someone is at, I guess it was Chili's then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I... I have no memory of who it was. You say Lenny Kravitz. I'm like, it, all right. It might as well have been. I, I, I only remember a third of college. So, well, and then you were like, oh my God, what an exciting thing. Someone's in town. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Look, people know we exist. Well, let's drive there and see if we can see them. <laughs> there was nothing to do, you know? No. I mean, there was the mall. When it was open. Yeah. Oh, it's gone now. Oh, no, no. no, I mean, like during mall hours. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. That, that's and, and then there was the, the super Walmart, you know, about to say, please say the Walmart. Were you ever involved or were any of the three of you ever involved with the late night uh, shootouts that would happen? No, you don't mean with real guns, right? Oh, no, no, no. Not. Uh, yeah, we, we weren't actually uh, OK corralling it. Um, no, we would go and they. I remember they had those like plastic Tommy gun water guns. Oh. And they were just out. And I, I know Fitz and Mike Esterheld and I, at least on one occasion, would go there and pull those guns out and run around shooting each other through the Walmart at one in the morning. I think I was too genteel to do something like that. <laughs> I do remember going into character one time when I was doing like a like a one act or something. True West. And going into Martin's in character. I remember doing that. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, those are the kind of things that you can only do in undergrad or on the weekend. Yeah. What Ryan's not telling us is that he went into that character and he never left. <laughs> <laughs> Been trapped in it ever since. Been trapped in it ever since. Yep. <clears throat> um, so, Talon, if we had to uh, look back at SU, which we know, you know, the arts are, are always um, growing, changing, learning. Uh, uh, of course, you are a probably an amazing mentor to all of your students because oh, you have sure. collected such a toolkit of things to pivot from and to do and to add on to lots of commas. But is there anything at SU you think that really helped to um, find your way? Besides contact improv. Oh, do you know, I actually uh, have someone come in and teach compact improv, uh, contact improv in my movement class. Do you? For a week, yeah. That's uh, the rest of it's all viewpoints and Suzuki. Uh, do sorry, you, but do you take did you take away like okay, I'm gonna uh teach my students uh so a little bit about what it was like to score a scene, or um, mm -hmm. here's some improving I really really uh took away in my little baggie to uh keep with me forever because I know personally myself I'm still teaching and there's a lot of things that I maybe didn't keep, but I kind of have added on to from SU. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the scoring, it's funny you mentioned that. My All of my acting one students hate it, but I make them do it. Um, but the big thing I think that I, I came out of it with is uh, I usually get music, people come in and they're like, oh, I'm a music theater actor. I, I, don't, I don't have to do any character work. I don't have to do anything. I just stand there and sing. Mm -mm. And, and I, I frequently blow their mind when I require them to score and understand who they're singing to in songs. And, and I, I credit Shenandoah for that. So yeah. important. So important. Yeah. They, they come in and they just think, oh, I can sing pretty. That's all I really need to do. Five years tops, kid. Then you're through. Yeah. That's... <laughs> you have a really nice voice. <laughs> I, I always tell them, like, oh, look, I know if you can sing three notes in. After yeah. that, if you're not doing anything with it, it's done. Yeah. Um, so Talon, um, I am mindful of your time. I want to just, when we we're, we're trying to wrap up here, I want to ask a few parting questions that have nothing to do with Shenandoah at all. Parting shots. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been a weird couple of years with the pandemic. You've been sitting pretty with, uh, what you have there with your voiceover work in your school. What are, uh, are there any books that have gotten you through this? Ooh, that's a good question. Not yeah. getting you through like how tos, but like, what right. did you read? Like any great books that you're like, oh my god, I yeah, can read yeah. this. Um, what's interesting is I can tell you what they're about, and I can't think of the names honestly. I uh, so I started, uh, I started reading 
a lot of books uh, by James Baldwin and a book by a music critic that I can't remember his name, but all about the history of Tribe Called Quest, mm. which I was really, really into. Um, and also uh, I got really, really into the uh, the Black Panther movement. Um, and so I read the uh, the trial of. Oh, I can't remember the name of the book, but yeah, it was a uh, uh, it was the, the movie Judas and the Black Messiah just came out. That was yeah, the great, great based movie. on it. Yeah. So so I did. I read a lot of uh, I read those a lot. And I also listened to the podcast. My dad wrote a porno. So I guess you could say I've listened to all of or read all of the Belinda Blinked novels. I thought you were going to say I've been reading this great book called Starting Your Career in Voiceovers. Oh, man. Um, missed opportunity. It really? I missed that marketing. Man. Oh. Um, all right. So what, okay, this is a frequent thing for people, uh, to trade, like what they've been binging, what they've been, whatever, what they've been streaming. What are things that have like kept your attention the past couple of years? Mm -hmm. Uh, Ted Lasso, huge yep. fan of Ted Lasso. Uh, we also just finished Murderville the other night, which if you haven't watched it is hilarious and top notch. All right. I want to pause right there. So keep your other selection. I want to kind of hit on Murderville for a second. Sure. So this is my thing. I have watched two episodes. Okay. Now, the first was Conan O'Brien. You're frequently back in college compared to him. Mm -hmm. Yep. My twin. Yeah. I did not find the first episode funny. Okay. And here's why. Because Conan is too masterful at improv that he was never, like, he was unflappable. Okay. And I, I did not find... Like, I almost, Matt keeps saying, I almost want someone who's not a professional. Um, I watched the Annie Murphy episode tonight, and wow. I did laugh because I, I wanted exactly what she gave me, which was, like, having a really difficult time getting through things with a straight face. Mm -hmm. um, what, what are we missing with Murderville, or should we just watch the rest of it and give it a chance? Uh, I would say watch the rest of it and give it a chance. But, but I think the... Uh... What's brilliant about that show is having people who are not improv artists. Uh, you're the, the running back, um, Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very funny episode because he's not good at it. Um, and then the Camille Nanjani episode is hilarious because he is so good at it. Right. So every episode has its own little hook. Right, 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 right. I just think Conan is so... F I, I understood why they led with him because he was like the most famous person on that list. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, oh, Conan's like... It was funny, but kind of for different reasons. <laughs> right. Yeah. I will say the one thing about the Conan episode that I was a big fan of was you could tell he got annoyed when someone said no to him. Right. Because there were moments where it wasn't yes ending and they just looked at him and said, no, that's wrong. And you could just see the look on his face. Like, that's not how you do this. <laughs> right, right, right. It's yes and. Yeah. You're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, all right. We'll give the rest of it a try. I did love Annie Murphy basically hyperventilating, trying to get her lines out. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, it was After work. watching her like masterful work in not only Shit's Creek, but um, the follow up show that she did that was like a drama comedy. Um, I can't remember the name of it. All right. Other, other streaming shows that we should know about. Uh, sure. If you haven't watched physical on Apple TV, check oh. it out. What is that about? It, it's about, uh, it takes place in the eighties and it's about, um, a Newton -John. Yes, basically <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, oh. it's, uh, she's a housewife in the eighties and she, uh, has an eating disorder and then she decides she's going to start making, Olivia Newton-John style workout tapes. Mm. Um, it's it's fantastic. It's funny and terrifying all at the same time. Is that Rose Byrne? I, maybe. The lead? Yeah. Uh, maybe I feel like maybe it is. Someone said her name when I told him I was watching that show. I'm like, sure. <laughs> sure. Talon, it's been so great talking to you, man. This has been a pleasure. Thank you very much. All three of you. It's been great. Uh, I see that you have uh, a website that says talonbeeson.com. That's right. That's, uh, that's where my voiceover, uh, you can follow my Twitter feed there. My Instagram feed is not far behind. All right, Talon. Well, thank you for catching up with us. We appreciate you. And we're, we're going to get that book. Well, wait a minute. I, I, do you have the book in your house? I do. 
So is there a way for Steven to, I'm just putting Steven's wallet on the line here. Yeah, thank you. Is there a way for Steven to get money to you and us to receive an autographed copy of well, the book? Well, I'll tell you what, I am just uh, happy to send you a copy of the book. Oh, so you don't have to send me money. Just uh, give me an address and I'll drop it in the mail. I have one other thing, Talon. Um, sure. Do you need somebody to do the audio book of your book? Because I would <laughs> totally do that. You know, I actually asked my agent that, and he was like, yeah, there's not enough money in audiobooks. You don't want to waste your time. <laughs> like, oh, what, all right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to film myself taking your course in the book and show my progress along the way. Uh, the levels of meta that we're going through right now. I'm yeah, like I'm going to I'm going to judge myself uh, with your voice in my head and see how, where I land. I mean, I don't know. I might I could I, could, I might be able to do something with it. Yeah, be careful with my voice in your head. My students tell me I'm terrifying and they <laughs> hear me all the time at night. It's very weird. <laughs> all right, we well, love to, much love to Tennessee from Virginia. Yes, I'm good old Virginia. I miss you. Well, we'll be in touch, Talon. We love you. It's so great to hear your your voice, your very famous voice. Oh, and uh, we won't be strangers. We've got your number. Yeah, please stay in touch. It's been a pleasure talking with all three of you. Take care. Bye. Bye, Bye now. Thanks so much, Talon. That was so much fun. Yeah, so great to catch up. And, and, and not even catch up, but just my god so much catching up congratulations on so much well and thank you for sending us your book um we love that you sent us your book we have yet to read it we have not read it we have not broken into the voice full disclosure we have been um working on into the woods a little busy a little busy but But it is gonna be my, my next gym book oh yeah 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 i hope so um we love you talon Thank you so much. Uh, if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok on Connor and Smith, again with an E-R. Please write, review, subscribe to this podcast. really helps us out a lot. Post it where you post things. Share it where you share things. We love it. If you want, please join the Discord board. It's been a little inactive lately, and I think that's because I've been a little And that's busy. because of you, listeners. Well, you can. You're not posting. Well, you can share things there, um, people other than Steve Jones. And Steve, please keep sharing. But I'm saying, like, everyone can share things. Talon, put your short film on the Discord so people can watch it. That would be great. Um, I will get better about posting photos uh, and things like that. I... We're kind of in crazy mode right now, personally, in our lives with our Into the Woods and other things. So uh, things will get better, but visit the Discord. The link is in the bio. Also, if anyone's still interested, please visit the, um, the uh, oh God. The website? Spotify the playlist. Spotify. Yeah, yeah. The Spotify playlist of late 90s music. Please add your favorite songs. Talon, if you're today's guest, which you are, add your favorite songs that are missing. We would love to have everyone's contribution so we just have a luxurious long playlist. At any rate, thank you all for listening. We'll have another guest tomorrow and we will talk to you or hear from you soon, we hope. Yep, see you soon. Bye. Bye.